Chapter 23 of A Bunch of Everlastings, or Text That Made History, by Frank W. Borum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tim Bauer. Chapter 23 Stephen Grillet's Text A restless and adventurous Quaker was Stephen Grillet. He yearned to live to the age of Methuselah, and, had his wish been granted, he would have made good use of every moment of his time. The marvel is, however, that he lived to be eighty-two. He was nearly hanged to a lamp-post by infuriated revolutionists in Paris. He was twice faced with death by drowning, once in a swollen mill-race and once at a flooded ford. He twice fell into the hands of pirates, from whose cutlasses he had good reason to expect a hasty dispatch, and, in the course of his tireless travels amidst populations that were being ravaged by plagues and pestilences, he was laid low again and again. More than once he gave specific instructions concerning the burial of his body, but each time he rose from his fevered couch and continued his tireless pilgrimage. He passed from country to country with as little concern as some men feel in passing from village to village. He learned language after language, in order that he might preach the word in every hole and corner of the earth. He stood before emperors and kings, speaking to crowned heads with the naturalness and ease with which he addressed the children at home. He found his way into prisons and workhouses, into slave camps and thieves' kitchens. He lost no opportunity to preach to all kinds and conditions of men the words of everlasting life. His is one of the most remarkable evangelistic careers on record. He yearned to live as long as Methuselah, but he discovered that he could live longer still. That discovery is, in a word, the explanation of his life. Let him tell his own story. One evening, he says, I was walking in the fields alone, my mind being under no kind of religious concern, nor in the least excited by anything I had heard or thought of. Suddenly, explain it how you may, the solitudes of that vast American forest declined any longer to be dumb. They became vocal with wondrous speech. The wayward winds and the rustling leaves were all whispering and caroling and shouting and echoing the same wonderful word. I was arrested, he says, by what seemed to be an awful voice proclaiming the word, Eternity, Eternity, Eternity. It reached my very soul. My whole man shook. It brought me, like Saul, to the ground. The great depravity and sinfulness of my heart were set open before me. After this, I spent most of my time in retirement. I began to read the Bible. Oh, what sweetness did I then feel! It was indeed a memorable day. I was like one introduced into a new world, the creation, and all things around me bore a different aspect. My heart glowed with love to all. The awfulness of that visitation can never cease to be remembered with peculiar interest and gratitude as long as I have the use of my mental faculties. I have been as one plucked from a burning house, rescued from the brink of a horrible pit. How can I set forth the fullness of heavenly joy that filled me? I saw that there was one that was able to save me. I saw him to be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I felt faith in his atoning blood. Floods of tears of joy and gratitude gave vent to the fullness of my heart. And all through one word, a word that reached my very soul, shook my whole man and brought me to the ground. That word, eternity, eternity, eternity. 
Eternity, eternity, the very word is the stateliest cathedral of human speech. It is the transcendent triumph of articulation. It stands among the few real sublimities of our vocabulary. It is one of those magnificences of language that defy all definition, one of those splendors of expression that leave nothing to be said. Oh, the clanging bells of time, how their changes rise and fall, but in undertone sublime, sounding clearly through them all, is a voice that must be heard as our moments onward flee, and it speaketh a one word, eternity, eternity. That insistent voice is the voice that Stephen Gray heard in the leafy solitudes that memorable evening. Eternity, eternity, eternity. The word falls upon the ear like the booming of the ocean on the crags along the coast. It rings and echoes and reverberates and resounds through all the intricate avenues and the tortuous corridors of the soul. The whole being trembles at its utterance as the abbey shudders to the organ's diapason every faculty is awed into stillness the soul is hushed into worship the word has all the music of the spheres within its syllables and when it has been spoken all attempts at amplification and explanation become pitiful impertinences eternity 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 the classic use of the word occurs in mrs beecher stowe's historic masterpiece poor uncle tom having fallen into the hands of the wretched and brutal Legree, had been thrashed within an inch of his life. He lay bleeding and wreathing in anguish in the old slave shed. But his soul was not in the shed, for as the solemn light of dawn, the angelic glory of the morning star, looks in through the rude window, Tom thinks of the bright and morning star. He ponders the great white throne with its ever-radiant rainbow, the white-robed multitude, the voices of many waters, the crowns, the palms, the harps, these may all break upon his vision before that sun shall set again, and therefore, without shuddering or trembling, he hears the voice of his persecutor. How would you like to be tied to a tree, and have a slow fire lit up around ye? asked Legree. Wouldn't that be pleasant, eh, Tom? Massa, says Tom, I know ye can do dreadful things, but... He stretched himself upward and clasped his hands. But after ye killed the body, there ain't no more ye can do. And oh, there's all eternity to come after that. Eternity, eternity, exclaims Mrs. Beecher Stowe. The word thrills through the black man's soul with light and power as he utters it. It thrills through the sinner's soul, too, like the bite of a scorpion. Eternity, eternity. Eternity, eternity, it is one of the overpowering immensities of our faith, and we preachers must make the most of it. The people are sick and tired of trifles. The day of catch-penny titles and silly subjects is as dead as the dodo. It ought never to have dawned. It is a page in church history over which every true minister of the New Testament will blush whenever he comes upon it. The man who announces as his theme a subject that is beneath the dignity of the eternal harmonies can never have heard the music of the choir invisible. He can never have seen the Lord high and lifted up. He can never have heard the seraphs that cry continually, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The lips that have been touched with the glowing coal from the altar can never again be lent to ecclesiastical frivolity. 
it is wrong it is wicked it is shameful and to quote a famous but sinister phrase it is not only a crime it is a blunder for the people are impatient of trivialities the hearts of men are hungry for the most stupendous themes they like great preaching the big subjects draw the big crowds little children immense city squalor love to put seashells to their ears because in them they catch the murmur of fathomless seas and limitless ocean and children of a larger growth turn from much that is sordid in their environment to the preacher who helps them to hear the music of the infinite eternity 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 the best illustration of my theme occurs in the life of dr thomas chalmers it is a dramatic page in a wonderful spiritual experience let me briefly marshal the facts as a mere boy having matriculated at twelve become a divinity student at fifteen and been licensed to preach at nineteen chalmers became a minister at kilmany he devotes himself to mathematics on sundays he thunders to decent presbyterians against murder and adultery and during the week he seeks to prepare himself to succeed professor playfair in the mathematical chair of edinburgh university he writes a pamphlet in which he says the author of this pamphlet can assert from what to him is the highest of all authority the authority of his own experience that after the satisfactory discharge of his parish duties a minister may enjoy five days in the week of uninterrupted leisure for the prosecution of any science in which his taste may dispose him to engage then follow his illness his marvellous conversion and his new ministry has scotland ever known a life more rich in spiritual influence or more fruitful of evangelistic fervour and in the course of that historic ministry in a debate before the general assembly of the church of scotland chalmers early pamphlet is quoted in support of the low views it advocates chalmers is stung to the quick he rises and makes one of his very greatest speeches and in closing he exclaimed yes sir i pinned it strangely blinded that i was i aspired in those days to be a professor of mathematics but what sir is the object of mathematical science magnitude and the proportion of magnitude but in those days sir i had forgotten two magnitudes i thought not of the littleness of time and i recklessly thought not of the greatness of eternity 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 i recently took a long long railway journey through a thousand miles of civilization a thousand miles of desert and a thousand miles of bush the train bore me to a part of this vast continent in which i found myself surrounded by trees that were entirely new to me and by flowers such as i had never seen before i freely expressed my admiration and when the time came to commence my homeward journey i found among the mementos with which i was presented a beautiful bunch of everlastings a bunch of everlastings it seemed to me i have this morning been gathering just such a bouquet here is stephen gurley listening to the great word that rings through the silence of the forest eternity 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 here is uncle tom uttering the same words with strange and wonderful effects eternity here is dr chalmers confessing that the mistakes of his life lay in his forgetting the greatness of eternity the list could be indefinitely continued the valleys are full of everlasting that night says ebenezer erskine in recording in the pages of his diary the greatest spiritual crisis that he ever knew 
That night I got my head out of time into eternity. The vastness of the word eternity was impressed upon me, says Andrew Bonner in his diary. And a few months later, he says again, I strive to keep the feeling of eternity always before me. Gentlemen, exclaimed old Rabbi Duncan to his students as he dismissed them at the end of the year's work, many will be wishing you a happy new year. Your old tutor wishes you a happy eternity. Eternity, 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 eternity. It is good, as Stephen Gurley discovered on that memorable evening, to wander at times into the fields and the forest. Today I have been out into the fields that are boundless, and as the fruits of my stroll I have brought back a bunch of everlastings. End of chapter 23 End of A Bunch of Everlastings Or Text That Made History by Frank W. Borum